Welcome to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com. Got a UTH super fan and subscriber here, Sean Barbaris, here to join me. We're going to be talking about some quarterback strategy, how to handle the position, and it's a really interesting one. Obviously, a cornerstone position in Superflex. That'll be our primary focus. But with Katie Flower, official UTH retirement, we're going to have Tim Torch on the show a little bit. But I'm going to try to mix in some of these dominant dynasty owners here in the UTH atmosphere. And Sean is definitely one of those. We've been talking for quite some time. He's a part of over in the, the VIP chat. That's a feature at patreon.com slash UTH as well. If you want to get involved with a great dynasty discussion, Sean being involved, myself and, and a few dozen others as well. But Sean, great to have you aboard. Uh, you have plenty of broadcasting experience. We were talking about our uh, our, our Maryland time, uh, both being uh, there. You're still over there on the East Coast uh, with your Raven affiliation. We might be talking about a little Lamar Jackson uh, in this show as well. But uh, talk about just a little bit of your your dynasty history here, maybe some of your DNA as a, as a dynasty GM as we then to start to transition uh, talking about the quarterback position here. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me, Chad. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, gosh, I've been playing since 95. I'm a bit of a dynasty junkie. You know, I, I don't golf. I don't fish. I don't hunt. This is this is uh, just one of my hobbies that gets my mind off stuff. And um, I've always enjoyed it, always loved it. And it's a great camaraderie and brotherhood amongst, amongst uh, a disparate group of people. And the VIP chat is absolutely where it's at. I have... Yeah, I've been playing a long time. I've learned more in that VIP chat uh, over the last three years uh, than I than I learned in a long time. So, thanks for letting me be a part of the community. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Where do you stand on your fandom there with Baltimore Ravens and everything? Versus, do you tend to over inflate or under inflate their their value or your pessimism optimism spectrum there for for the players over the years? Do you tend to to not not have uh, a lot of allegiance uh, towards towards Baltimore players, or do you tend to go over your skis with enthusiasm? So it's interesting. When it comes to the Baltimore players, I, I think I'm fairly objective, but in my all my years I've been playing fantasy, I think I've had a Pittsburgh Steeler on any one of my teams for maybe two weeks. I had Heath Miller, I think, <laughs> for two weeks. And that's it. Just, yeah, yeah you know, I'm, I'm kind of neutral towards the, the Ravens, but I can't have many Steelers on my on my team. I think you have to sign a contract. You know, when you become a Baltimore <laughs> Ravens fan, Pittsburgh Steelers cannot cannot be on your roster. It must be a streaming situation. And Heath Miller was just such an overt uh, situational play there for a week or two. It's probably the only situation. Hopefully, he got you a win because I know it probably hurt your soul. It did, it did hurt my soul to even remotely have to root for a Pittsburgh Steelers. It was very difficult for me. And I love Pittsburgh. I mean, we go to we used to go to the games there all the time. And they're incredible fans, but I enjoy beating them. That's for sure. <laughs> so we go, uh, we're going to go into three different buckets, situations. And you already mentioned you have, of your dynasty portfolio, you have teams in each of these situations. So this will be great in terms of talking through some specific circumstances. And again, I think everyone falls into one of these three buckets. And in all cases, I think there's something to do, something to think about, especially in the long six, seven months in front of us off season. So the first one we're going to go over as a dynasty GM it, with the quarterback situation is you're strong. So kind of go over what do you think strong means at the position uh, in terms of your depth chart? What does that look like? Maybe some specific players. And then is there something to do or is it more of a stand pat and enjoy the juices dripping down your chin like uh, George Costanza? I mean, is it something that let me focus on the other positions or do you still think there's something you should be monitoring or or trying to achieve there? 
That was the Summer of George episode, wasn't it? Summer of George. Was. I think it was. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, what, you know, what, what what does it look like to kind of be stacked at quarterback? Uh, you know, I think if you have three top twelve, top fourteen, top, you know, you know, you're 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 doing really well at the position. Um, you know, I have one particular league where I have Herbert, I have T Law, and I have Watson, and it pains me to have one of those three next year, just thinking that they're sitting on my bench. So. I'm looking to move one of them and it's really not as easy as it seems because I'm not in the position where I could just give up a quarterback without needing one in return. That's the ultimate position to be in, but I'm not, I only have three and I always want to have three that I can start. So, uh, you know, you, you limit your trading options because you need to, you, you need to trade with somebody who can give you a Ross back or give you a Derek Carr back, but you know, no one's going to probably give you a, Dak back, or certainly not a Mahomes or an Allen. So all those, you know, teams that have those top flight quarterbacks, you really can't you you can't move somebody like that to get a quarterback in return. So it's really not as easy as 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 I thought it would be. But if you can get that fourth quarterback and then move a quarterback without needing one in return, that's when you get you know that that that's when you get the royal flush and you can really take your pick of who you want. Yeah, the two things I think that kind of define being strong at the position is what you said, having a quality QB3. It doesn't necessarily have to be as high level as you just mentioned, but having a quality third option that doesn't have, say, job security issues, maybe isn't a 2022 Matt Ryan situation where you go, eh, how much more juice is can I squeeze out of this rock? Um, and I think if, if you're high enough, like you said, it kind of pains you the the non uh, optimization of having one of them on your bench. You know, now you're playing matchups, and you're like, ah, I'm getting it wrong. You know, a decent amount of the time with the with one of my top two scores on my bench, I'm just not getting it right because I got three good options. Um, so I would say things to do would be. Obviously, like you said, uh, it can be tough to move around because you probably want a quarterback back. You don't want to... And and really, your biggest leverage in the trade market is going to be if you trade quarterback and don't ask for a quarterback in return, that offers the most to the other team because they're hurting. They might only have one solid option or maybe zero, but you're helping them out and you might That's be able to get way. a superstar at yeah. another position or you know a superstar-ish plus a, a pick. So that's the best situation in trading, but it might not be feasible for Murad. I would say always look for little cracks in the foundation. Uh, you know, like the last 12 months, it's amazing. Patrick Mahomes has been more accessible than before that. Um, you know, Josh Allen might be the closest to inaccessible. Um, you know, Justin Herbert right now feels like of the top four, five, six, the guy coming off the worst season and might be the most accessible. So if there's upgrade possibilities where your third guy can now upgrade or you know, you're combining guys to get up to get one of the top few and you view it as a tangible upgrade, that would be one offshoot to explore. And then obviously insulating yourself where if your QB3 is not quite as, as solid as you would like, trying to upgrade there to maybe a Dak Prescott, maybe a Deshaun Watson, someone in that maybe in the consensus market, 10 to 15 range, as opposed to someone that you may have out in the 2025 range, that would also be, in my opinion, a, a goal from this this strong state. Yeah, no, and I agree. But, you know, having somebody like Watson as your QB3 to me just seems like such a waste of talent on my bench. You're down here, though. So, yeah, so you I, say, I, I, I want to get max value. Well, if he's if he's valued by the market at QB10, QB12, but you think he has top five potential, then selling at QB10 or 12, even if he's your QB3, is not... I, I mean, I think you're leaving something on the vine. 
So well, you kind of want yeah. him to max out, right? I mean, you want him to have a good half year and all of a sudden in season, you trade for an injured, I mean, I don't know. Let's say Kirk Cousins gets injured. You get Kirk Cousins at a haul, you know, for Deshaun Watson. And now all of a sudden you're cooking with gas. Like, I don't know. I think you kind of kind of pick your spot and it may take an injury. It may take a trade, you know, that we see this off season or something like that. But I think you need Watson playing better if you're, if he's going to be your trade guy. There, there, there's no doubt. And I'm not saying that the time it would now would be to move specifically. But just in like general, Watson. like a, a six to 12 month plan. Yeah, just in general, it's not as easy to move, you know, an above average, you know, you're above average QB three. If you need a, that, that's really my point. If you need a quarterback in return, it, it's right. not as easy as you would think it would be. Who are your other two again? Trevor Lawrence and who? Herbert. Herbert. Yeah. So see, you have you have Lawrence rising, but then you have Herbert and Watson, which basically where they stand, they're undervalued profiles. I don't think the market reflects how good they are or can be or bounce back this next year can be. So I always view those as not immovable, but really tough to get full value. So to me, of those three, Lawrence would be the only one, but yet Lawrence has the shine coming off this season. Things are pointing upward. He could definitely be, let's say, I mean, the Joe Burrow of 2023 in terms of what we saw from Burrow, oh, announcing himself. He's in that QB three or so conversation. Lawrence could be right there, you know, and not take many weeks to get there in 2023 season. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. He's probably, if I wanted to make a move now, yeah, Lawrence would probably be the one to move. Again, my point is just that when you're it's trading tough. down for yeah. QB three, you, you got to get somebody in return that really limits your market. Right. You're it really this is truly viable when you have four starting quarterbacks that you're comfortable with, Agreed. and you can just give one up straight. I mean that that that, that is. You talk about maximizing value. I mean, if and, I didn't need a quarterback that in return, yep. I could trade. I could have traded Watson straight up for JJ for Jefferson, right? But I needed the quarterback in return. He's like, oh, you, you know, you'll be fine with two. No, I'm not going to be fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. You're fine you until know? you have you have bye week of Mageddon and you have a season long injury, and sure. all of a sudden you're looking around saying, "Where am I? You're right. a John Travolta. Well, <laughs> like, wh- where are we? Yeah." Yeah, and that goes to like your dual lineup theory that you have, and and, right. and that's why that's so important. Um, that right. You were talking about on one of your Patreon pieces. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, the middle of the road. You are solid. So, what does solid mean to you? And and then where do you sit? And what's kind of your action plan to do list over the next few months to a year? Well, I mean, solid to me is you have you know you have golf, you have car, you know you you, you might have Stafford, Cousins, you know that that that's solid, not spectacular. That's how I would define it. I don't know how you would define it, but 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 yeah. that's it. Could be it could also be a mix of hey, I have I have Trevor Lawrence, but then you drop down, and you're like, well, I have Cousins, and that's not that's not elite, but that's good enough, right? I mean, that's it that's is, having yeah, two. That's uh, I mean, much. by definition, you know, solid would be having two of the top, let's say 20. And you kind of outlined that. I mean, the interesting part though, is I think some of these solid teams, you go into 2022 and let's say you had some combination of Russell Wilson, Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford. Well, you were solid, solid probably with upside. And yet the result was very unsolid. <laughs> it's a very liquid state <laughs> result and feel to that, to, to whoever you were starting. And then kind of 
where you stand. You feel a little better about Russell Wilson than he did a few weeks ago, but Stafford, you know, had ambiguity ambiguity about retirement. He's going to play. Derek Carr, where is he going to play? So, but I still think that their profiles are solid. So yeah. it's a really interesting situation where <laughs> seven months ago I'm solid. And then for five months straight, you feel not solid. But here again, I, I think profile wise, and you kind of look ahead to Y plus one and beyond, it actually is a solid, you know, tandem or or some subset of those players. Yeah. So so yeah, I I, I agree with you entirely. And I, I think that would be mid-level solid, but I but I think when I'm in this situation, I, I look at the rest of my team and I'm saying, okay. Can I make a move? Can I make a run? And I think you really have two choices at this point. Do you, one, say, okay, I'm going to package one of my solid quarterbacks with something else to go get me another elite quarterback? So you have two elite quarterbacks and you're sub, you, know, you don't have the dual lineup going and you're subject to in- injury risk and all those sorts of things. Or do you go the opposite route and you kind of go the quarterback extreme? Not go for somebody elite, but you have a team of Cousins, Golf, Tannehill, I'm just, you know, Taylor Heineke, whatever it may be, um, you know, to to be able to play the matchups week by week. Okay, you have four, maybe five starting quarterbacks and you pay the best two matchups. So to me, you know, if you're kind of middle of the road, you really have those two options. Do you want to go QB extreme or you want to try to trade up and go QB elite and push all your chips to the middle of the table? Right. That's a that's a strategy choice. Yeah, and I, I think let's outline the difference between the discussion we had a few minutes ago for you're in a strong situation versus you're in a solid situation. And really, one thing you outlined with the the team example that you gave to lead off, the real difference is you had uh you had Trevor Lawrence on the team, right? That yeah. was one of the notable differences. So to go from okay, I got Carr and Cousins or Russell Wilson or whatever, the real difference is you upgrade one of those players to something in the top five, six, seven, right? All of a sudden, you could be viewed as lower in solid. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. strong. So that's the real thing. And I would say, right, that's when you need to profile hunt. And is Justin Herbert accessible? You know, is there a little crack in the foundation? Like, let's say Patrick Mahomes plays the Super Bowl, his ankle gets worse. And like, is that a moment? Do you have a little shred of a moment that you get a 2% discount or the window is slightly cracked? And and you know you're like a dog with your 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 nose pressed up against it, uh, breathing in that that sweet sweet air out, out the car window. Do you have a chance? Do you have a chance to make a trade? So I I think the down year you need to profile hunt in this situation. You need to look at supermax guys or bound to be supermax quarterbacks, and you need to look at all those options. Maybe it also includes what about if you get value? We talked about Josh Allen previously, or some of these first round upside profiles of rookies that end up fading a little bit in rookie drafts. So what if you take an upside swing in the rookie draft? That might be a way to infuse some upside possibilities where you're not necessarily trading one of your quarterbacks away. Um, So can you add an elite option and move everybody down? I think that's one thing in this zone of being solid. The other part is, can you profile hunt and get a slight bit of discount on somebody in the top four or five? And then the other part would be, this is where you know maybe an Anthony Richardson, maybe somebody that offers big upside, but the profile makes sense. And if they slip to 111 or 201 or whatever, Josh Allen style, Jalen Hurts style, let me go hunt and put that guy as my QB four or five on my depth chart. And if he hits, then I, on the cheap, 
And almost organically, I was able to move from solid to strong. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned something in the rookie draft. I mean, sure, Jalen Hurts slipped, but I mean, so did Justin Herbert. So did Daniel Jones. Um, in, in rookie drafts, that QB3 consistently falls to that middle to end of the first round where you can you know, swing for the fences a little bit there too. So that really kind of supports what you were saying um, you know, we, we, from the rookie draft perspective. Uh, let's go to the you're hurting at the position. You, you're you're in general scrambling um, at the position. You don't feel good at all. Um, <laughs> what does that look like? You mentioned you have a you have an example yourself. So what is that? We're shifting down from solid or solid minus. So here you are legitimately maybe in a position where at times you don't have two NFL starters, but you might have backups that you're you're kind of in a month, hopefully in season, they they are giving you some streaming starts, or maybe you're strong enough that you're not even starting a quarterback in your secondary spot of a super flex. So go over, you're hurting, you're scrambling, you're just not good enough. You're on one of the lower rungs of the ladder here. Yeah, so a couple of things I do here. If I know I'm going into a season where I'm either going to be hurting at quarterback or running back, I stock up on my blind bid dollars. I really do. Because that that's really an area where you can grab a Taylor Heineke. I mean, Brock Purdy started for me in a couple in two championship games this year. And I started the season with pretty good quarterbacks, you would think. But you know, Carr gets benched and and Ross is playing terrible and all that kind of stuff. And I'm starting Brock Purdy. Um, you know, so one thing I do is I I I, I really build up my blind bid dollars so I can just outbid anybody and everybody if I need a quarterback. Um, and there's usually some plays on that. The other thing I do is I just start collecting quarterbacks. I'll trade something small to get a Winston, trade something small to get a Minshew, trade something small to get, you know, uh, you know, a top backup like Heineke or something along those lines and try to piece it together that way. And then, you know, really you've you hit the nail on the head in the last piece. You, you, you're going to start a non-quarterback if, if you're really that bad. Um, but I try to piece it together a few different ways and, um, you know, he just using Brock Purdy as an example. I mean, you know, he was he was playing really good ball, and he was playing it during the playoffs. And um, I'm sure he helped more than a few teams uh, keep going in the playoffs, if not win it. But um, you know, you can pick up a couple nuggets on, on, on the waiver wire, and building up that blind bid kind of war chest, I think, gives you a, a real advantage if you're going to have to rely on something like that. Yeah, just to tease uh, some content coming out this week over at UTH Patreon. Um, I was surprised, and I think one of the connectors in these in these superflex and premium formats was how many of the guys that you just mentioned. You, did you know uh, that from my data, Taylor Heineke was actually the quarterback on the most superflex rosters that I saw in title games from the sample size <laughs> that I drew? And it's not to say that Taylor Heineke was in all the lineups, you know, in in week seventeen or week sixteen or whatever. But I think it's instructive from this degree. It shows activity. It wasn't just Taylor Heineke. Also among some of the top quarterbacks rostered to guys like Tyler Huntley, Jared Stidham was on the list. Uh, undervalued players, guys that were at one point available for cheap or free profile-wise. And I, I think what it outlines, though, is an active, tuned-in owner. Jared Stidham as a pickup is that blind we're getting a start. What's that going to look like? Who knows? But that could turn into Brock Purdy. And you know what? Brock Purdy turned into Brock Purdy. So I think that when you, if you're just tuned in, 
you're always in it. And I love how you started with the waiver wire because that's the cheapest thing. If you have plenty of money, you just put out bids for these backup quarterbacks because a lot of people are going to be like, eh, that guy's horrible. People also thought Geno Smith was horrible. So the outcome range is huge here. And we've seen it turn into, I mean, Heineke has been a multi-year providing start player. What will Jared Stidham provide? What will... Uh, you know, looking at these other options. I mean, Jared Goff was left for dead. Not that he was on the waiver wire, but again, Brock Purdy was until the injury rewriting what a, a late day three pick since Tom Brady kind of means. So I, I just think the cheap route is the easy route. And I would say, honestly, of all these three zones, if if you're hurting, it's easier to go to solid because you're going to throw all the spaghetti against the wall. You're going to make a mess. You're going to, you're going to roster, like you just said, I'll trade you a third for Winston, you know, or uh, I'll trade you some flip running back for uh, Gardner Minshew. And and you're going to go that route and you're going to go backups. Um, But I also think you have the latitude because like, right, right when the season got over, someone like Matthew Stafford, super cheap, but you're like, I'll take him. I'll take that. You know, I'll take Russell Wilson, you know, at QB 17 prices. I'll take, you know, if, oh, you're not believing in Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I'll take him. Oh, you're skeptical of Geno Smith? I'll take him. Like you can go down all these rabbit holes. Oh, I'll bank on Jordan Love being the week one starter, you know, and, and building upon his small sample size that he looked pretty good this year and the first round pedigree. I'll, I'll take that. You know, like you have four, five, six, seven avenues to go where it legitimately upgrades your QB one or at worst QB two spot. Um, and the other thing I wrote is how about you just go YOLO, you know, into week one? Who knows what you got? You have a bunch of these backups and in week one, we say this was running back every year. You might not have a real good bead on, oh, I got five workhorses, but by the end of September, you might. And so for quarterback, Geno Smith was not a thing <laughs> in, in J- July 4th. And yet you had something because you rostered him or you just spent, like you said, in the waiver wire after week one. So I would say that go after the dirt cheap veteran profile to get your head above water, to be competitive. And then the goal is just to get to solid status by, let's say, by the end of the season or by mid-season. And I think that is so accessible. And I'm not going to say easy. Nothing's really easy. But I think it's very plausible. We're going from solid to strong or strong to elite is a bit more specific and might be more of a challenge because, as you mentioned, it's a smaller subset of who you're interested in, who upgrades, and then what uh, depth chart and roster in your league are they on? Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly right. And you know, it, the cheapest way to get your quarterback is obviously in the startup draft, but that comes and goes. After that, you you got to hit it in the draft. You got to hit it on the waiver wire. Uh, trading for quarterbacks is. One hard, too expensive, um, and, and you know really has to be the last option to go get a to go get a top a, a quarterback. Um, you know because if, if you're coming from a point of weakness, the other owner knows it, and there's not many there's not many places to go shopping to be able to get a quarterback. Very few people can give them up for one. Um, they don't have enough of them to give them up. Like my example, we were talking about in the beginning from the strong team, so. Uh, you really got you really got to look in the draft, and you really have to look on the waiver wire to kind of patch some holes as best you can. Um, but the trade market is is an expensive one for sure. And just one final point, I'll say, which is if you're in one that blends in Devi, it can be so easy to go down the rabbit hole of just spending a lot of your Devi picks on quarterback, 
And that honestly is one of the riskiest and hardest things to do because if you, they end up not getting round one or higher round one pedigree, you kind of get to that checkpoint and you go, I've been holding for this long. I spent this amount of, of pick capital or this investment on them. And now I don't really have what I want. You know, if you don't get a top half round one pedigree out of them, you know, what have you been holding for? What have you been, uh, you know, investing in? And then again, you're still kind of waiting too, because they get to the NFL. And a lot of times year one, you want to see a few flashes year two, they might be starting to put together year three, they're in your lineup. Like it could be a very slow transition from, I drafted him. I drafted Arch Manning, you know, this, this off season, and that's going to change my, my quarterback depth chart. Well, three years plus a transition to the NFL. I mean, checks watch. When are you contending with Arch Manning? So like, <laughs> just just really be careful because I know it's enticing to just go down the rabbit hole of 2025 guys and 2027 guys and all this in a Devi league and you're building the pipeline. But a lot of times, Katie and I talk about it is, I mean, you're trading those players, their assets at all times and folks will give up solid NFL right now quarterbacks that you know can play for guys that are 19 years old and who knows at 21 and 25 what they're going to become. So just be really careful yeah. on the Devi front about thinking that the Devi actually fixes something. All right, let's go. Yeah, uh, let's go some rapid fire for some. Uh, these are all in the past week or so involving quarterbacks and just whether you're picking a side or not, uh, just kind of go into what the strategy point would be of this is addressing quarterback uh, and kind of what bucket and where this makes sense. So this first one, and I think this is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, exhibitory that's not even a word uh, of the of the market but uh, a 23 second for Matthew Stafford 20 oh my I would do that all day right so this is this would, would be the bucket this is exactly what we're talking about right going from yeah. hurting to solid potentially by drafting a profile and again yes. even if this is like 205 or something you're getting a profile bet that has been there done that for a decade and you're not giving up an elite pick to do so no, no, no doubt about it. That gets you out of the bottom tier that we were talking about, and ultimately moves you up to that to that middle mi- middle part where you're you're good but not great. But yeah, no, that would be a that would be a no brainer move. And Stafford's going to be the type that is probably in brass tacks a team's QB three or maybe even lower based on how he performed this past year. Uh, yeah, next, we have sure. another example that you actually said it a minute ago. This is a, a third round pick for Jameis Winston and a fourth. Yeah, see, to me, that's 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 free. I mean, you have a guy who's been a top five quarterback, top six quarterback. You know, obviously when he was back at Tampa, and and you know he played well. <laughs> I think he played well. When you look at his numbers and you look at his efficiency, he was playing well um, in, in New Orleans. I don't understand what happened with him in that injury last year, um, but he's a guy who's proven he can play. He has a profile. He's a one oh one point oh one pick, just like Stafford and. You know, the, the, those 1.01s tend to stick around and, and get a few chances. So, yeah, I would do that all day. Yeah, and and I know the price is rising on Jordan Love, but and it might be a little more than this, but he would be another one where you just say, I'm taking a chance. And I think the Winston profile, like you said, he's already shown upside. Whether he, Even if he's a backup, when you have the type that's a backup, but yet offers um, former starter, former productive, and then it's a type that just, even if he's injury away... That injury away comes home. We see fifty plus quarterbacks start on a on an annual basis. So uh getting him for again, moving from a third to a fourth, 
depending on, you know, if you're sitting there in the third round, you draft poorly, you're sitting there in the fourth and you draft well, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all the same <laughs> once you get beyond about the 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 later second round. All right, yeah, next one. We've got we've got uh Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, and a 23 first for Justin Herbert. So that's what that that's when you're in tier two, moving to tier one, and, right. and you want to get that elite guy. That's exactly what that is. And to me, you know, one thing I've learned playing fantasy all these years is that every season's a battle of attrition. You, you can almost never have enough depth. That's why this dual lineup theory that you have that you talk to on the VIP and the Patreon piece is so important. Um, but you got to have you got to have that massive upside to win the championship as well. And Herbert is just one of those guys that can do it for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love that deal. I would do it. How um, high, how high would this pick have to be this year for you to go, uh, eh, that's too rich. If it's one Oh one, one Oh two, one Oh three, are you still all in on a deal like this? So give it to me again. It was golf. It's golf Purdy and the first. And now we're talking about how high that first is. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, it depends on what my team needs. Because I still think one. He, I think I think the interesting thing is to see what ratio Bijan Robinson versus a quarterback goes at one hundred one versus one hundred two. Um, but I will say, I think value wise, even if it's one hundred one, I mean, is I, I think the value is probably still on the Herbert side. I think you could still sell me on that. I if it was one hundred two and beyond, I'm all in, and I think that's a great deal. One hundred one is to me debatable and i think you could probably go either way on depending on other factors i mean if, if it was 101 i would take the herbert side okay well there you go oh, so you're so you're yeah. definitely all in okay oh yeah no i would definitely it's just a proven commodity i mean right. and you know he's better obviously infinitely better insulated than golf right. much better than purdy and right. you know so i mean to me in that case it's really almost the 1.01 for for yep. herbert you know which is a no-brainer all right, next one we got Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, so a couple of basically later stash-ish quarterbacks. But the big piece is Devonta Smith traded for Dak Prescott. I mean, I like the Dak side for me. Right, and this is yeah. well, and this is the example of like you said, it's hard to get quarterbacks, but there's lots of examples of people giving up quarterbacks without getting one. And so if Dak is their QB three, you know, you gave them a quarterback if they're light at wide receiver, and this is why. Ask yourself what's easier to fix, finding Dak Prescott or finding Devonta Smith. And it's pretty easy because Devonta Smith is, at this point in his career, unless he takes a massive step forward, he's far more easily replaceable. Yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. Uh, I see. I, I don't see as many trades like you do that that that, that um, have QBs being traded, right. you know, and, and, and without getting a QB back. Oh, uh, so many of the deals I see have QBs coming back. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just uh, what I've seen in my experience. Here's a couple that have quarterbacks being traded for each other. It's Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson and Wandale Robinson. So essentially it's, you know, Deshaun Watson and let's say, you know, late second or a third, something like that. I mean, I would take the Watson side all day. Right. And you can use that as a proxy. Again, you don't have to get Wandale Robinson, but I think it speaks to let's, let's keep in mind, Kyler Murray is a pretty big variable this year. So like your expectations for him, you might think that Kyler Murray is your QB two, let's say puts you in the strong camp, but really you might be more in the solid camp because when's he going to play? How mobile right. is he going to be? And Watson 
he might be a massive riser from the, okay, that was nice. That was basically my preseason that last year Browns get, you know, a little more solid with their secondary uh, wide receiver situation. And Watson all of a sudden is back to where he was a few years ago. So, so so yeah, the Watson plus side is definitely massive here. Um, Brock, Brock Purdy for a 23 second. Ooh, that's a tough one. Right. And we've discussed this a lot in the, in the yeah. VIP chat in general. Yeah, like, where's one. the Purdy line? And we discussed it basically pre-injury, and now we have the post-injury, which definitely makes it a little more uh, interesting as a as a longer-term bet. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I think the injury really changes the dynamic. Who knows if we'll even be ready by... I mean, he's already going to have one hard time behind his back, no pun intended, because he's going against a guy that, you know, they traded three first-round picks for. Right. You know, I mean, that's going to be a tough one, but you know, going in with the injury, I mean, that's going to be tough for him. And I think, you know, we always talk about timing the trades too. Like if you bank the the pick and if that's 208 or whatever, I think you have that pick and then you can always, I mean, I don't think when Purdy comes back or is healthy or you see some positive reports, he's not going for more than this. So I think you kind of have the pick, you bank the pick and you can play the market however you see fit. And then if you're interested in Purdy later, you can always buy in then is, is kind of what I would say. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, like you say on the VIP chat, stay liquid with your pick. All right. We got one uh, We got one more here, and this is uh, another Kyler Murray. So we got Kyler Murray for Russell Wilson and a 23 first. So we can kind of talk about where in the round that needs to be, or maybe it doesn't even matter. You're taking Wilson either, either way. <laughs> I think I'm taking Wilson either way, as crazy as that sounds. Okay. As many times as I curse that man's name this season, I think I would still take Wilson. Yeah. And the first. I, I'm just I'm just not a Kyler. I'm right. not a Kyler believer, especially when his legs start to go. That's that that that's not going to be pretty. And the just, situation looks to be eroding, right? I mean, there's a lot of yeah. talk that uh DeAndre Hopkins will be traded. Marquise Brown has never been an, a, a true number one, in my opinion. You've got uh, Rondell Moore, who showed a lot more this past year, no pun intended, but he's he's a specific type of receiver. It's just not looking as build around Kyler Murray dominant on that offense. A lot of variables in Arizona to say he's coming back to what? You know, it's almost like they have to, they're rebuilding around a high level supermax quarterback contract, which is a really yeah. interesting scenario there. And he's not really in the camp of like uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just lose. We'll just lose uh, Tyreek Hill. That'll be okay. We'll have a bunch yeah. of, we'll have a mismatch yeah. of wide receivers. It'll be okay. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to be one that is okay and functions well within that machinery, personally. Yeah. I, I yeah, I just don't see it. I've never been a fan of his. And, I really don't see that. I changing. was just surprised how Russell Wilson, like the market hasn't moved a ton on him, despite like yeah. all this optimism and Sean Payton is, you know, oh, quarterback whisperer, this is gonna be great. He's still in the mid-teens, which is is really affordable for a 34-year-old that he's been really, really good outside of basically one year. Yeah, no, it's true. He's gonna be a fascinating no, I- one for this year. I, I really think the folks that are patient and just stuck with him on your bench or in ugly in your QB two spot last year. I think you're going to be rewarded almost in a Trevor Lawrence type way of it's really ugly one year. You get a big change in terms of coaching and infrastructure, and then things turn around in a, in a, you know, that's not to say he's going to finish in the top five or anything, but just the optics of how Denver looks and how Russell Wilson looks, I think is going to be completely different this year. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be, uh, that's going to be fun. I have a lot of shares of Russ. 
All right. Uh, final thoughts, Sean, in terms of you can go off on any tangent you want. If you, if you want to rail on a player, if you want to pump a player up, uh, if you got a prediction for a Super Bowl prop, whatever you whatever you want or need here in closing thoughts. And sometimes Kitty would shout out somebody she met in uh, Wichita in this segment. Uh, no, so, that's okay. uh, so anything you want, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, my my, my closing call, thoughts are you, you, you got to do your best to get your quarterbacks in the startup. I think that goes without saying. Once you get past that point, I think you really have to look to the rookie draft. I mean, obviously try to trade without giving up one. That's hard. In, in my experience, that's been very hard. Um, but, um, you know, you got to have maximum flexibility there um, because obviously it's such a huge advantage in the super flex world. So, um, you know, that, that that would be my advice around around quarterbacks and just trying to stay focused on that piece is important because, you know, unless you're in a tight end premium, there really isn't uh, really isn't anywhere else to go to get that kind of um, difference maker outside of the JJs of the world and chases. And, you know, really there's two or three receivers total that are going to equal really what any one quarterback is going to give you. So that just really highlights their importance and you got to have a game plan around it. And, uh, and I think it's critical to anybody's success, especially in the super flex world. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm monitoring one of the, the football guys staff is getting together for a startup mock and nine quarterbacks in the first round. You know, you mix in a little bit of wide receiver, but it's a quarterback world. And like you said, trading to 101 or 103 or whatever in a startup draft is so much easier than it is trading for that player six months after the startup draft. So yeah. You've got to prioritize it. Uh, I've never seen trading up in startups as affordable and accessible as I would say the last last off season, maybe the one before, but we're trending in a people are getting cute. Like it seems like in almost every startup draft, 101, 102, 103, they list them for sale and they're looking to trade down and they're really not getting the haul they got two years ago. And you know, that that massive deal is not really there, and they're still trading down. You could end up with two, you know, if you get a natural position up there in the early first, you can end up uh, trading in and getting another one, you know, and really trading out of the mid rounds is not as penalized from a team building standpoint as you think. So, yeah, I love what you said there about the easiest way to fix it is to not have a problem in the first place, basically. And, and to say, you know, th- that's the position of power. What's the most important position? And you say in Superflex, most of the time outside of crazy tight end premiums and start two. the answer is quarterback. The answer is quarterback. Yeah, and so down. get the guys that you can build around and have a long-term future in addition to uh, contending in year one and just a set it and forget it. To me, quarterback NFL wise is the easiest position to assess that we can say, oh, like, look at all these guys that fell off, but year to year, who is good? And I think, or if a guy fall, uh, has a down year, who's most likely to bounce back? It's not wide receiver. It's not, it's not a 26-year-old running back. It's a quarterback. A quarterback having a down year we saw play well for five straight years. It's quarterback. They're bouncing back. So it's more predictable. It's easier to diagnose. We get the biggest sample size of hundreds and hundreds of data points every single year where a wide receiver, we're like, are they good? I don't know. They ran a, a few routes and they caught 57 balls. I'm having a hard time seeing if they're good. <laughs> but a quarterback right. can throw yeah. 700 passes. We have a much better idea. So that's why I think it's it's we focus our attention as a cornerstone anchor foundational element of our dynasty teams. And I, I mean, just to reiterate, Russell Wilson went in for, the fourth round of this startup draft with sharp drafters. So 
He's accessible. You're getting looks in the second and third round. But if you don't take one in the first round, you got to have a really specific circumstance or you got totally squeezed with a run of seven, eight, nine guys in a row and you're stuck in the late first and you have a really darn good reason to do so. Otherwise, you got to focus. You got to have that hyper hyper vision going on. I'm going to fill quarterback. I'm going to be strong at the strongest and most important position. And you're not going to get into these solid or hurting scrambling positions that Sean and I outlined for the uh, second half of this show. And also we offered some suggestions for some trades uh, there at the end as well to move from scrambling to solid or solid to strong. All right, uh, Sean, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I am Chad. And Again, if you're interested in content like this, you get premium shows over at uthdynasty.com with General Manager. Uh, you get it right to your device uh, of choice there uh, in terms of a podcast feed. You have a, just have a separate black label uh, UTH premium feed over 250 shows a year. And we mentioned a couple different times as a VIP chat. Perfect time to sign up here right after the Super Bowl. You're going to get the entire offseason. Sign up over there at patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch is there. We got a weekly feature show as well as a lot of, you hear Chad's research studies, storylines. I mentioned one that I I just uh, did, penned for this week, which is looking at uh, dynasty championship game rosters. What are the most common elements? What are the takeaways we can have from 2022? Some interesting findings. You're going to get that over there as a UTH patron. So thanks for Sean, myself, Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep holding those dynasties. I really did feel, no, not snake oily, but I felt weird <laughs> proposing it to you because I was like, oh, this makes sense for both teams. And then I was like, I proposed it. And then it was like, you have been declined. <laughs> I thought it would have been a great feel-good story. Right. We could have worked if we could have worked a deal. You didn't counter. Did, I, I thought I taught you something. You always counter offer. You didn't counter offer with anything. You know what? You were a hard man to deal. You, with. you asked. You asked. You said, "Oh, second round pick." You didn't even offer that. You didn't even counter offer. I just did. Offer. Vincent, just, oh, I just did. This was for like, like a week ago. <laughs> you wait a week and then you're gonna do it on the show. You're gonna be like, "Oh, it's been two days." Counter offer as early. Yeah. Oh. Feels like a year since you, since you spurned me. Right, it was like oh two hundred on fucking Thursday. I declined you. Oh okay. Oh two hundred. What are we going on a mission? I thought maybe I had to talk to you in military time in order for you to concept time. What'd you call it? Zero two hundred. I said oh two hundred. Oh two hundred. Okay. That was that's what it is, right? It's zero two hundred. Oh is a letter. I'd fit right in the army like a dirty shirt. Future saying, you're on the clock. You better start proposing this stuff because it's not going to be easy. I already, I already put it out in the chat. No one take his deal. <laughs> Perfect. Who's going to pay a second now? Like, that was a horrible thing. You should have said at some point I would get a second for him because you really painted yourself in the corner because in season, maybe, maybe it's possible. I think but I'll not, pay the second. For not now. Why not now? A, two, a, 20, a 2016 second for Vincent Jackson now. See, the loophole for you is just, I think you said a second. See, the loophole for you is you could get a 2017 second. Yeah. So that's the loophole. Second. I know. I was thinking 16 seconds. So. Well, I'm going for like, 16. See, the only question why I even wanted to do it was actually to consolidate roster spots more than anything. It wasn't because I actually thought I would be winning that trade. Probably because you're making you're actually have a legit chance to make a run this year. But does Vincent Jackson really help that? 
bye weeks, injuries, sure. Uh, yeah, I guess. But just me. That's just, right. just having that, second thoughts. That just right. goes to show that even we chase you after see. a vet from time to time. I wasn't chasing after a vet. I said I was trying to free a roster spot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy on the waiver wire I like almost as much, and then I can just drop them, and then, yeah. Why do you, I, I honestly don't think we will be able to work a deal. <laughs> like you, you said that, that surprised me. No, I, I, I think at some point we would, we would be I able don't to. Think so. I don't think so. It would be really hard, though. It's hard. It's hard to work a deal with someone that values things similarly. That's what I found out. Like, I, I almost just don't waste my time with proposals. Right, it's almost like it's like I avoid a 10-man them. league for me. Yeah, I avoid it just because it's not, it's kind of a waste. It's going to be tough to try to create a, a win-win. Right. If you're both trying to do the same thing, how can you both win? Yeah. Can Can't. you both win the deal the same way? Right. <laughs> Sorry, one way. I don't know, Brandon Cooks for, for four first-round picks? I don't know, maybe that could be a win-win? I don't know. I mean, I got two next year. That's right. Oh, we're not going to lock you out of the draft this year. Oh no, the goal, the goal is to have you might tra- you might trade those away though for some win now move. Maybe for like what Arian oh, Foster oh, and Marshall now. Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, every time I see win now and I write it, I always think it's winnow, like minnow. <laughs> winnow. <laughs> like a fish. It's a winnow move. Right. Bait fish. <laughs> <laughs>